Hey, welcome. So glad you're joining us again this weekend. Uh, I'm Dan, if I haven't met you. I'm uh, one of the pastors here at Grace Church in Norton, and so glad that we have the opportunity to come to you this way. Uh, we're in a conversation here, and one of the things we're kind of talking about is the church, which kind of begs a question, right, a very basic question, what is the church? And, you know, you may have different answers to that, right? Maybe some of you grew up with, like, here's the church, right, here's the steeple, look inside all the people. Church for you is like a building, right? And so it's 3970 Cleveland Maslin Road, that, that's where the church is. Um, for others of you, maybe when you think of church, you're like, hey, I'm doing online church, so for you, it's a service, right? Or when you would come to in person, like I go to 8 o'clock church, 9.30 church, right? And so you think of it kind of like a, a service that you attend. And what's interesting, we've talked about this many times here at the Norton Campus, Grace Church, but uh, church is not a building. It's not a service. Uh, instead, church or the church is a group of called out people. Uh, I've taught you this little thing. We kind of came up with, look, uh, the people, right? They're the church, right? The building they meet in, they may or may not have a steeple, right? And so we just kind of remember that. that. That's what the Bible talks about when it talks about church. The church is a group of called out people. It's a good question. Here's what I want us to think about for a few minutes this weekend. Maybe a better question, or at least I think a more emotionally charged question in this particular moment we find ourselves in is what should the church be? Or what should the church do? In the middle of all the chaos going on, what should the church be? It's a great question. It's a great question, and there are a lot of opinions. And those opinions kind of have multiplied the more this cultural moment we're in has kind of exploded. Everybody seems to have an opinion. Uh, I don't know about you, but like you turn the TV on, right? News anchors have an opinion, what the church should do, shouldn't do, right? Uh, pundits, politicians, man, they all got an opinion, right? Uh, even uh, pop culture stars, right? Uh, I was reading a news feed, Justin Bieber weighing in on what the church should do and what the church shouldn't do, right? It's interesting. Um, your grandma has an opinion. Your cranky neighbor has an opinion. Uh, I got a phone call from somebody that doesn't even go to church, and they're telling me what, what the church should be doing and shouldn't be doing, right? And a lot of people have opinions. What should the church be about? Uh, chances are you have an opinion. Yeah. You have an opinion about what the church should do or be. Uh, maybe your opinion is based in your preferences. Maybe it's rooted in your experiences. Some of you have been hurt by the church. And so what you think the church should do or be is a reaction to a bad experience you've had in church. Others of you have heard people that you idolize say something about church and you're like, well, that's what it should be. It's an important question. And in the middle of this cultural moment kind of that we're navigating, it's a very important question as we navigate some seismic cultural shifts and realities. Because there's a lot of confusion about the church. And you know what? That confusion has led to disillusionment. Pastor Aiden referenced last week that there's a study that came out that Gallup uh, began measuring church membership. Um, the membership in houses of worship declined this last year and for the first time since they've been measuring it under 50% in the United States of America. Uh, the first time they measured it, 1930s, it was 73%. Now it's 47%. And we get asked as pastors all the time, does that discourage you? And I'm like, not really. 
I think it gives us a great opportunity to ask a great question. What is the church and what should the church be doing? I'm not even sure what they're measuring. And that's why we're in the book of Acts. Because we went from a series where we talked about what Jesus talked about more than anything else, kingdom of heaven, right? And it's something that was disorienting. It was counterintuitive. They killed Jesus. They buried Jesus. Jesus rose again. He rose again. And when you are a once dead man, now alive man, you have authority, right? You're going to pay attention to what you said and what you're saying now, right? And so he then ascended. Pastor Aiden led us in that last week. He ascended into heaven as the already king who would come back sometime. But when he ascended, here's what happened. He left this community of people who had attached their life to him and his message. And when he left them, he left them with a mission and he sent his spirit so that they could fulfill that mission. That is the church. Let me say it this way. If you're taking some notes where you're sitting there, uh, the church is a community of people called out by God who follows Jesus as their king, and they're filled with his spirit. That's the church. The church is a group of people called out by God because they follow Jesus as their king, Savior, Lord, and King, and they are filled with his spirit to accomplish his mission in the middle of this moment. So last week, we just said, okay, then what in the world? That's why the book of Acts. The book of Acts describes this community. What should it be doing? What are the things that characterize this community? And Pastor Aiden led us in one of the very first things. Acts 1.8 says this, But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my, here's the word, witnesses. That word is, we get that word, the same word, martyr. You'll give your life, right? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What is the church? It's a kingdom community. It's a community of the king. And we, we said it this way, that it is a community sent with a mission in a culture that's searching for a cause. It is so easy, guys, to forfeit our mission for the sake of causes. Many of us have no problem. We, we're looking for a cause, right? We'll sign the petition. We'll walk in the march. We'll demand change. There's nothing wrong with causes. But here's what happens is we can get so focused on a cause that we forfeit the mission to be his witnesses, to turn the lights bright on the once dead king who is now alive and coming back. And so that's where Pastor Aiden led us last week. Well, this incredible event that happened, Pentecost, and all of a sudden the apostles are preaching. I want to pick it up there. In Acts chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, just go there because Peter preaches a sermon and here's how it goes. It says, God raised, verse 32, chapter 2, this Jesus to life. And we are, here it is, witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he's poured out what you now see and hear. Pick it up in verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, 
and for all who are even afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Look what happened. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. And check it out. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's a pretty good day. That's a pretty good weekend, right? Jesus ascends into heaven. The Spirit of God comes. Peter preaches. Remember, St. Peter denied he knew Jesus. He's preaching and revival breaks out. 3,000 added to their number. Well, what, how, how do you, what do you do with all that? Spirit comes, Peter preaches, revival breaks out. What do you do with all that, right? Well, look at what happens next. What did these 3,000 plus the 120 that were gathered, so there's probably about 3,200 people maybe, what did they do? They, say that word out loud, they, say it, devoted. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What should the church be? I think this passage is chuck full of powerful description, right? Here's what the church should be. The church is a kingdom community, right? It is a community that is uniquely, there's our word, devoted in a culture that is unusually distracted. <laughs> Let's start there. Can I hear out there an amen that our culture is unusually distracted? You agree with that? Uh, we live at a time when our attention is being hijacked. There's all kinds of things vying for our attention. I read this article. I shared it one other time. A Duke University professor, in a talk that she gave, she confessed, I cannot get my students nowadays to read whole books anymore. And you're like, wow, that's, that's awful. Here's the irony. She can't get any of her students to read whole books, and she teaches literature at Duke University. What's the problem? We live in a world where there's distraction and it's hijacked our attention. Uh, I read one study that said that it's literally reduced our attention from 12 seconds to eight. The standard goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds, right? We're doing worse than goldfish. Uh, another study said this, that anthropologists would call it this, we live in a third screen world. You know what I mean by that? Some of you, yes, yeah, some of you know, and some of you are experiencing it right now. Here's what that means. A third screen world means this. You're watching me on your TV, maybe, and you have your computer in front of you, right? And so maybe you're doing your taxes or something on your computer while you're texting your friend, right? That's three screens, three screens. And this third one, I can take with me anywhere I want to go, right? And what happens is all of a sudden it creates, like all those things are good, by the way, the TV, the computer, Man, there's great things, but it can create a distraction. And here's what happens. You know this. We live in a busy world, and we live in a rushed world that is full of muchness. One author put it this way. 
If our adversary can keep us engaged in the muchness and manyness, he'll rest satisfied. Like we're distracted with the muchness of life. We're distracted with the manyness, right? We live very full lives, but that doesn't mean we're fulfilled. We live very busy lives, doesn't mean we're blessed. Some of us, we find ourselves constantly chasing something that's gonna satisfy us only to be left empty. The definition of distracted is this. See if this doesn't fit, maybe it fits your experience. Unable to concentrate because we're preoccupied on many things. So I'm distracted, I'm like always like, you ever been with somebody like that? <laughs> Our chase for more. You see, this is important for us to see. This is the culture. And, and there's more options and all kinds of things that I'm, I'm gonna chase for happiness, satisfaction, for identity, whatever it might be, right? What Acts 2 tells me is this, in a culture that is unusually distracted, listen close, the church is an alternative community that is uniquely devoted. The key word in the passage is devoted. Now here's the problem with that word. Christians, I think, have hijacked that word. <laughs> because from the word devoted comes the word devotion, right? And so in some of you will know where I'm going with this. In Christian world, if I say to you the word devotion or devotions, what do you think? You think it's the time I spend in the morning with my cup of coffee, praying and reading my devotional guide or my Bible, whatever it is. And in Christian world, here's what happens. Our devotions, listen close. We've hijacked the word. Our devotions are what we do before the rest of our day distracts us, right? It's just how it rolls out, right? Did you do your devotions today before you went on with the rest of your day and all the distractions? Uh, one author uh, and pastor, I think, uh, rewrote Acts 2. And he rewrote Acts 2 in a way that might be written for a church that instead of a devoted church was a distracted church. And here's the way he wrote it. I think it's interesting. We'll put it on the screen. He says this. Uh, this distracted church, they studied the apostles' teaching when they had time. They went to fellowship when they could fit it in. They prayed when they needed something and got coffee every now and then. They were content and had low expectations for God to do anything. They sometimes talked about generosity in their midst, but mainly kept their possessions for themselves. Two out of five Sundays, they came to corporate gatherings. They didn't invite people into their homes and rarely revealed their hearts. Uh, they were largely irrelevant to all the people, and occasionally someone was randomly saved. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't read that to you so like, oh. But can we be honest? Too often, too often that would be the description of many people's church experience, maybe your church experience. Like, what is the church? It's a distracted church. And when you look at the book of Acts that describes the church and describes some of the DNA of the church, you find that in the middle of a culture that's unusually distracted, the church is called out to be uniquely devoted. If you go back to Acts 2, that word, just kind of highlight it. That word devoted, it's a fascinating Greek word. Here's what the Greek word means. It means to be earnest, 
to constantly be diligent, to attend, to adhere closely to. Here's one definition. To get, listen, write this down somewhere. To give your life away fully to. That's the word devoted. To give your life away fully to. You see, the church in a culture that's unusually preoccupied, distracted, is a called out community that is uniquely devoted. In a culture distracted with the muchness and manyness of life, the church is an alternative community of the king that is uniquely devoted, loyal, focused, pays attention to, concentrated on, and willing to give their life away. To what? It's a good question. Look at what it says. Look at Acts chapter 2. Look what it says. There's four things. They devoted themselves to the what? The apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves, right? They gave themselves to, they constantly paid attention to, they were focused on what? The apostles' teaching. What was it that the apostles were teaching? Why were the apostles teaching and what were they teaching? Well, I'm glad we know the answer to that. Because Jesus, before he ascended, said, here's what I want you to teach. Look what it says, Matthew 28. Jesus came to them and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Right in your Bible, it's learners or apprentices of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. And then here's our word, teaching them. So he's got the, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. They were teaching the words and the way of Jesus. Remember, this is before the New Testament was written. And their teaching has ended up becoming what we would call our Bible. What's going on? The church is a called out community, and here's what I want you to write down, that is uniquely devoted to learning the way of Jesus, and don't forget this word, together. <laughs> That's key. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It is an uncommon community that's devoted to learning the way and the words of Jesus, devoted to learning the word of God, together in a way that transforms their life. The devotion of their life. They're going to give their life away. Fully, they were committed to paying attention to the way of Jesus, learning the way of Jesus. The apostles were teaching about Jesus, his death, his burial, his life, his resurrection, and what it means to follow him as Savior, Lord, and King. It's interesting, right? We are uniquely as a body, as a community, called out to grow in our relationship with Jesus. Why? Because the church is a community of the king, thus a kingdom community. Guys, listen to me. This is what separates the church from being just another social club. This is what separates the church from just simply being another political activist group. This is what distinguishes the church just from simply being some form of clean entertainment. <laughs> right? Here's the problem. 
Listen, let, let's, just, let, let's just put some flesh on this. Here's the problem. Too often, too often our devotion is replaced with distractions that get in the way of us learning together or even at all. And when that happens, many times in our culture, churches claim to be kingdom communities who have lots of opinions but don't know what the king has to say. Lots of opinions. But we're so distracted that we sometimes don't know what the king has to say. And so even if we state our opinions with conviction, if I'm not somehow basing it off of what the king has to say, it's simply an opinion. We're distracted many times instead of devoted. And our distractions have become what we've become devoted to. And often when it comes to the church, here's what happens. Oftentimes we take other people's word for it. That might be you. You take other people's word for it. And the problem is this. I'm just going to tell you this because I read a lot of news and articles and things like that. I can tell you the problem is that sometimes the people who are giving their opinions about the church are not people who are speaking for the king. You need to hear me say that. We have become distracted. And what's interesting is this. At a time in history when there are more resources than ever for learning, knowing, and studying the Bible, this is interesting, Studies reveal that Bible reading is at an all-time, what? Low. And yet the Reveal study, a research-based study of a thousand churches on spiritual growth, concluded this, that it is reflection on Scripture. That makes sense. That is the most significant influencer in somebody's relationship with Christ. It's interesting, right? See, they were a called out, here's the deal, called out, uniquely devoted to learning the way, the words of Jesus together in a way that changed their life. And too often we take other people's word for it. Too often, like some of you are sitting, I know what you're thinking, you're like, ah, oh, preacher's talking to us about reading the Bible. No, I'm not just talking to you about reading the Bible. I'm not. I've used this illustration here at our campus before. Here's the illustration, and I want this to make sense to you. Suppose I take a trip to Alaska, which I'd love to do someday. Never been there, but, but suppose I did. And I came back, and I had 5,000 pictures on my phone. and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm so blown away by the scenery and the wildlife. And, and I come to you, and I'm like, Alaska is awesome. You need to experience Alaska. Suppose I said to you, you so need to see the breathtaking scenery of Alaska. And there's two ways that I'll make available for you to do that. First is this, I'll come to your house and show you my thousands of pictures <laughs> and talk you through my experience. Right? We can do that. Have a cup of coffee and i show you all my pictures. Or the second option is an all-expense-paid trip for you to come with me to Alaska. 
and I'll serve as your tour guide because I've been there. And I'll show you this, but you're probably going to see things that I missed. And we'll go experience Alaska together. Which shows you going to choose? <laughs> Listen, I would hope if you're physically ill, you'd be like, I want to go, right? That's what I would want to do, right? What's the point? Too many people, when it comes to the Bible, listen to me, when it comes to the Bible, they listen to somebody else's slideshow or picture presentation. Too many people, they, what happens is we go to church and we hear somebody else talk about their experience in the Bible, a pastor, or we read somebody's book on it, or we, and we never experience it for ourselves. You see, what God invites us into, what this church community did, is they learned together. They went on the adventure together. And what God provides is tour guides. That's what your pastor is here. That's what we are, tour guides. I don't want to be somebody that just gets up and shows the pictures of my experience. I want to join you in the adventure of learning the way and the words of Jesus together in a way that changes our life. And as we prepare sermons, and like I can be a tour guide and say, hey, here, look at this. And, but it's an adventure that I'm inviting you on. That's why we encourage you. Pastor Aiden last week said, read the book of Acts. Like I double dog dare you to read the book of Acts as we take this journey. We'll serve as tour guides, but you come with us. Not only does God provide tour guides for this adventure, but you know this, I think the Bible is pretty clear that the adventure of learning the way and the word of Jesus, being devoted to it, is something that's best experienced in a group with someone else, getting together with somebody else, talking about what God's teaching you, what God's showing you, whether that's in a small group, whether that's with another person. Like, read the book of Acts. Listen to the sermons, the tour guide. Get together with somebody else. Try it. Maybe it's, if, if you're at home, maybe it's your spouse. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a friend you call and say, hey, would you read it and talk every week? Just take a half hour, one hour, whatever it might be, and talk about what God's showing you in the book of Acts. It's amazing. That's what the church is. It is a community that is uniquely de devoted to learning the way of Jesus together. That's not all. You see what else he says? He said, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Talked about that. And then here, here's another word that's gotten hijacked, right? But, but, but some of you grew up, you've heard, and to what? And to fellowship. Some of you grew up, you grew up in church like, let's have fellowship, right? Let's build a fellowship hall, right? Let's have a time of, let's have a fellowship dinner, right? A time of fellowship. It's like all this kind of churchy, churchy word, and somehow what happens when, when we just use it that way, you know, I heard one guy say, you know, fellowship is, it's two fellows in a ship. I'm like, that's awful, right? That is a terrible joke, right? But it makes the term anemic and stale. This word is rich. The word, you, if you grew up in church, you maybe even heard the word. It's, say it, go ahead, you know it, right? Koinonia, right? Some of you have a plaque in your house, they're like, koinonia, right? But but the word is rich. Here's what it means. It means to have commonality, communion, intimacy, joint participation, 
to share in a way that I'm participating together. What does that tell us about the church? They're not just uniquely devoted to learning the way of Jesus together, but the church is a community that is uniquely devoted to sharing life in Jesus together. That's what they're uniquely devoted to. They're uniquely devoted. It is a kingdom community that is uniquely devoted to sharing life together. Look how it describes this community. Look at verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, I mean, this is church, right? Were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They were willingly, voluntarily, as a response to the relationship with Jesus doing this, right? This is not some form of communism, by the way. Just in case you're reading, you're like, what's going on there, right? This is a group of people voluntarily, extravagantly doing this to help each other. Every day, verse 46, every day. Did you see that? <laughs> every day, I'm like, whoa. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Can we just say they were devoted to each other? Like, that's why the statistics of 47% of people would say they're members of a church doesn't discourage me. Because you know what that's measuring? That's measuring how many people are going to a building or a service. This is different. God's idea and heart, and when this thing birthed and exploded, something different. It's not just an event. It's not just a service. It's not just a building. It is a group of people that is uniquely committed to and devoted to each other. Get your pen and write these down because I no, there's no slide for them, but just write these down. When I read that, that paragraph, you know some of the things that stood out to me that defined this group? Just write this for they had a cheerful hospitality. Do you see that? They're opening their homes to each other. I get the sense they kind of liked each other. I don't know. <laughs> it's amazing, right? Like they, they had open homes. I realize COVID has just been rough on that, right? I, I get that. But there's a sense to which they saw what they had as given to them by God in order to share with others. And not only that, but I wrote these two words down. There was a consistent regularity. There was a consistent... They were, verse 46, every day. I, you know, there was a consistency. This community was consistently together. They were known and wanted to know each other. And they kept showing up. That's what it means to be devoted. They kept showing up consistently. I wrote these words down. There was a radical generosity. They shared with each other what they had, open-handed. And then I wrote this word. There was an authentic transparency. You're saying, where are you getting that from? Well, how would they know what needs needed met unless those who had needs were transparent? I get the sense there was this authentic transparency. It's like, man, I need help. Guys, that's somehow what the church is called to be. 
a community that is uniquely devoted to sharing life in Jesus together. It's not just a service we show up to. It's not just a building we go up to. It's, it, it, it's not even sitting and listening to a sermon. But it is life that is a community that shares life together. In fact, Jesus, before he ever left his disciples, this is what he said in John 13. He said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He says, it's not going to be your buildings, your events, your programs. It's not going to be your sermons and quality music. It's going to be what? The way you share life together. A life of agape love. That's what he's saying. Can we just take a moment and get real for a second? Might as well, right? If we're honest... If we're honest, sometimes we're too distracted to be devoted to this. Because we're too busy to show up in each other's life. If we're honest, parents, if we're honest, we're too distracted to disciple our kids to experience this because we have them everywhere. They're going everywhere. And so there's no opportunity for them to experience or extend hospitality, radical generosity, authentic transparency, and regular consistency in the lives of other people who are following Jesus, learning the way and the words of Jesus. You see, what happens over time is the church begins to look like the culture. And yet, the church is a called-out community following the king, filled with his spirit, armed with his mission. And that community is uniquely devoted in the middle of a distracted culture. Uniquely paying attention to, focused on giving their life away. That's what the word means to learning the way and the words of Jesus in a way that changes their life, together to sharing in life, the life in Jesus that we have together. That's why here at Grace, we encourage people to get in relationships. We have all kinds of groups, ways for people to go from rows to circles, right? Support groups, people that share life together and they walk through some of their struggles together some of their sadnesses together, right? We have uh, groups that meet in people's homes and they just simply pour over scripture together, love each other, help each other, pray for each other. So I would encourage people, maybe if, if those kind of groups, are, get with a couple other people and read God's word together and get to know them and be known by them. That's what's going on here. And it gives me this under, what should the church be? Well, you can read what Justin Bieber says, or you can read what whoever says. But the king, when he wrote it down, said, I kind of want it to be a called out, devoted community that stands distinct from a distracted culture. Devoted to learning the way in the words of Jesus. Devoted to sharing life in Jesus together. And look at this. 
and devoted, they devoted themselves to the what? Breaking of bread. What's that mean? Well, most commentators would say that's celebrating the Eucharist or the bread and the cup. Communion. Whatever words you put. What's the point? It is a community that is uniquely devoted to remembering the sacrifice of Jesus together. I like to think of it this way. They devoted themselves to gathering and remembering that their king loved them so much that he died in their place. They remembered that they devoted themselves or gave their life fully to a king, ready, who gave his life fully for them. And they did this consistently. We just did this Good Friday. Before the pandemic broke out, we were doing it once a month on Tuesday nights. And we will go back to some regular opportunities for us to share communion together, right? The church is a community that is bought by the blood of Jesus. And this had a residual impact on them. You see, here's, here's what I think. The community or church devoted to remembering together, coming together, not just privately. Right? I can do that on my own. No, they came together. And there's something that happens when we come together around the Lord's table. We remember that we are a community that our king gave his life for. But I think a community that comes together around the Lord's table, remembering that Jesus died in our place, is marked by several things. But write these two words down. First, it's a community of humility. A community that is regularly, consistently coming together, remembering the sacrifice of Jesus, is a community that remembers that the ground is even at the cross. Right? That's why we can look at each other and consider others' needs above our own. Right? There's no pecking orders. Like The ground is even at the cross. Not only is there humility, but write this word down. It is a community that's marked by grace. How in the world, if I consistently come and partake of the bread and the cup and remember that God's forgiveness came at a price, how can I not be an extender of what I received? You see, that's what this community did. They regularly, together, remember the sacrifice of their king for them. And it marked them. There's one last thing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship, sharing life together. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, remembering the sacrifice of Jesus together. And they devoted themselves together to prayer. What's going on here? Remember what Jesus said before he left him? He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I think it tells me what's going on here. The church is a community that is uniquely devoted to practicing the presence of Jesus together. That's what prayer is. We're going to talk about that on Mother's Day. Mark it on your calendar. Because these people pray different than maybe you've experienced. But I think ultimately what's happening here is together, this community was devoted. They were fixed on. They paid attention to. They constantly showed up for. They were loyal focused on practicing the presence of Jesus. And I think it marked them. I think it gave them perspective. I think it helped shape their priority and helped drive some of their passions. Look at what happened. Look at what happened as a result. Everyone was filled with awe 
at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Look what it says verse 47. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with gladness and sorrows, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, I could ask this question. That's a pretty good, that's pretty, that's a powerful impact that community had on their culture. Powerful, right? Simply being a called out community that was devoted in the middle of a culture that's distracted. I get asked all the time if I'm discouraged that church membership is now under 50% in the United States of America. And I'm like, not really. Because I think all that study is doing is measuring the amount of people who are used to showing up to a building or attending a service. And it gives us an opportunity to say, maybe that's not really what church was all about in the first place. That maybe at this cultural moment, what God is doing is he's calling out a community that is uniquely devoted in the middle of a culture that's unusually distracted. Can I ask you a question? Are you a part of the church? You can be. I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm not asking if you attend a church. I'm not asking if you're a member of a church. I'm not asking if you're gonna to come to church. If you went to church today, I'm asking are you a part of his kingdom community? Have you ever said yes to the king? As your Savior and Lord, the moment you do, filled with His Spirit, armed with His mission, you become part of this community, uniquely devoted to learning the way of Jesus together, to sharing life in Jesus together, remembering the sacrifice of Jesus together, practicing the presence of Jesus in prayer together. Father, I thank you so much that you don't leave us in the dark about what you called the church to be. And God, in this cultural moment, my prayer is that you would help us to be a community that's devoted in the middle of this culture that's unusually distracted. And I pray as we do that, that it would simply be an opportunity for us to shine the lights bright on our King, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus. I pray this in his name. Amen.